Hello, and welcome everyone to another episode of Align, where we help you align with your true self, others, and your desired outcome to live your best life. So actually, quite timely, this was not planned, but thankfully Megan told me this, next month, October, is actually National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Um, we actually want to talk about red flags of toxic relationships, domestic, interpersonal violence, things that, you know, when you hear it in stories and you hear it in magazines or in the news, you're like, oh, this would never happen to me. Oh, this is so foreign. This is so, th oh, I, that poor girl, that poor guy. But people don't realize it literally often ha happens with little tiny things that seem harmless, harmless, but they build up to something much more obviously violent and, and traumatizing. So uh, Megan has built an amazing company actually out of the trauma she's experienced. So who else better to talk about red flags and toxic relationships than Megan herself? So welcome, Megan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. And I would I would say like when we first caught up, I was didn't really have like anything specific in mind that I felt like a topic would make sense. But then as I learned about your company first, and most importantly for me, I'm getting chills, the drivers of the company, I was like, all right, the company's important, but let's talk about the seed first and foremost. So let's dive in. You ready to have some serious conversations, but in a way that it's going to be helpful for everyone else. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So first thing is, again, it starts off with little signs, right? Or little things that like kind of feel wrong to your gut, kind of feel like, hmm, that's weird. And there's signs when you start asking your friends about it. You may ask something like if you're close to your parents, your parents about it. So what are, when you're, and to be clear to the audience, we're talking about romantic relationships. Um, that's when I feel like things get even more heated, right? So in the beginning, what are some red flags in a relation, romantic relationships that you want to share, whether you've experienced personally or hearing from friends and family? Yeah. So one that comes to mind right away is when the other person wants to literally spend all of their time with you. Right. And at first that probably feels flattering, especially if you're really interested in this other person, like they make you feel special by, planning, you know, dates or outings or whatever it is, but there's something about spending all of your time with someone that starts to slowly but surely over time kind of create this gap between you and your network, whether that's your friends, whether that's your family and individuals who are especially toxic and what I like to call gaslighters are really, really good at starting to create this divide between you and everybody else in your life. And sometimes it starts like, again, very, very minor, like, okay, like we're, maybe we're kind of rushing into this, but like, no one's ever made me feel this way before, or I feel so good when I'm with this person. And like, I can get lunch with my friends next weekend, like that kind of thing. Um, so I think that's one thing that I sort of realize now in hindsight, looking back at my experience, which I'll share about more. Um, another thing that I experienced was sort of like, um, what I'd call like incessant contact, mm -hmm. right? So it's similar with the wanting to spend all their time with you, but like, that's not always practical, right? Like people have jobs. Um, and other things going on, but there's like this constant contact, right? And again, in the beginning, it's exciting when you first go on a date with someone and you really like them, I'm guilty of like checking my phone, like, oh, have they texted? Have they texted? Right? Like you want to feel wanted. Um, but sometimes it, in these scenarios, it'll start to quickly escalate to something that's unreasonable. But because you like this person, you're almost like blind to it. Um, and an example that I have is my former partner who I experienced interpersonal violence and domestic violence with, um, he worked in the construction fields, right? And so he didn't have his phone on him most of the day, but during his lunch break, he had a 30 minute window to call or text me. And he would literally call me like five or six times until I answered, but I'm at work. And I chalked it up to like, oh, well, this is his only break during the day. He really wants to talk to me, you know, 
that's why he's calling so many times to try to, to get a hold of me. And you just sort of start to rationalize the behavior because you like this person or you have really developed feelings for them and you're invested and it just becomes normal to you. Um, so that can, can also sort of be like an early sign of like somebody always knowing what you're doing, where you're at, who you're with, those kinds of things. I feel like those, those are what come to mind as like initial red flags. Um, and also like relatively minor, but I think when somebody starts to guilt trip you about spending time with your friends, or your family. That's another sign. I think that one's a little bit more obvious, but again, it kind of depends on when this happens in the relationship, right? Like you start to really get in a routine with this person and normalize their behaviors. And sometimes it's like, you've never been in a serious relationship, so you don't know anything else, or you've never dated somebody like this before. And so you just chalk it up to their personality as opposed to being a, a trait that actually can be dangerous and, and harmful to you and your well-being. Yeah. And I want to be clear, I know we're focusing on romantic relationships, but when you said calling like so many times, I want to be clear, all these apply to work relationships, friendships, friendly, family, everything. Okay. I don't care if they're your best friend. I don't care if they're definitely not your boss. It's inappropriate to be calling you back to back five, six, seven times. Like that's just flag. Okay. Number that's, I just want to be clear. All this will apply to other relationships. We're just focused on the romantic, super helpful. So obviously you're highlighting want to spend time with essentially just keeping you for themselves is what I'm hearing. And I want to dive a little bit on gaslighting before I uh, start to start there gaslighting so i mean this is such a this is such like a millennial term but i want to make sure everyone's fully aware what is gaslighting and why it's dangerous yeah so gaslighting is where somebody basically they're able to manipulate you to think that reality is not what you think it is right like they it's it's kind of a hard term to actually define truly but it's where you start to second guess your reality based on what this other person is doing what they're telling you etc so a, a common example and something that i experienced is like you have a situation something goes wrong Um, it's because of the conduct of the other person, but they somehow manipulate the whole situation for you to believe that it was actually your fault because you said this, or you did this and they're distorting your sense of reality. It's basically like hyper, hyper manipulation. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to give an example, but go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. I think a lot of it, especially we're in a texting culture, right? There are a lot of times when, for example, um, like everything I'm sharing right now is like either has happened to me, happened to a client or someone I know, right? So you could be texting and say you're out, right? And the guy that you're dating is texting you be like, hey, like, um, hey, what are you doing tonight? Or where are you, right? You as a lady in the city are out there living your best life. You're probably not checking your phone incest all the time, right? And he yep. just, he sends things like, starts getting angry at you. Be like, why are you, why are you, I don't like being ignored. Why are you ignoring me, right? Okay, fine. Hope you're having fun, but right. you know. <laughs> exactly, right? And then, so that's that already like, huh, interesting. Then the next day when you try to have a car, like, oh, like, did you have around? You're like, oh, it looks like someone was a little bit upset last night, you know? And they just brush it like, oh, no, no, I, I, it wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it like that. I was just joking. Right. And it constantly happening happens. That's all. It seems so harmless. It seems like, oh, he's just trying to protect his ego. That's gaslighting. Right. Because he was clearly upset, clearly angry at you. And then flips it to be like, oh no, you're reading it wrong. I was just kidding. All right. How many times have we dated guys or girls who said, oh, I was just kidding. Were you really kidding though? Like it happens so often now. Are we really kidding? So these are some examples of gaslighting. The other, um, so it's just basically like you have a perception of reality, but when you speak to them, they flip it to be like, you're the crazy one, right? He's the same one, right? 
That's right. gaslighting, okay? Yeah. So women and men, if you feel a certain way in your gut, those are your feelings, you're entitled to it. So I wanna be clear. And if it's a pattern of this happening, are you really that insane that you don't know your own feelings? So just question that. The other yeah. side of gaslighting is, I sometimes mix these two up, but gaslight is projecting, okay? So another example, when um, say you're dating someone, you're first dating to know somebody, right? And they're just saying like, make like a comment saying like, oh, you, I hope, I hope you're not like a normal city girl who just gets around and just gets their buddy. I hope you're not one who just like, you know, entertains everyone that like is into you, right? When you've given someone no signs that you've been that way and they say that, chances are they're the ones that are talking to many women, like the ones who are like taking any um, attention they can get. So projecting is like, you're not even thinking or acting or saying something like, for example, it's like, oh, like, I hope you don't, I don't hope, hope you don't cheat your partners. I hope you're loyal when you've never given them any reason to think that you were not loyal, that's projecting, right? Another yeah. huge red flag because people are just project, the other person is projecting their insecurities onto you. It has nothing to do with you. Crystal, come Yeah, on. that, um, that what I was going to say is so much of that is based on insecurity, right? Uh, it's yeah. their own fear about what's going to happen. And I definitely experienced a lot of insecurity with my previous partner. And I think that was the root of so many of the issues, right? And so like at a certain point, there's only so much that you can do to try to reassure this other person before you start to like change yourself or change your behavior or change the way that you live your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be with a person that... No. You know, not that I'm not telling anybody what to do whatsoever, but think about like a healthy relationship is not one where you're going to change who you are and what you do for another person. Right. Right. And if it's going to change, you want someone to change you for the better, right? A better person, kinder, um, more dedicated, more motivated at work, whatever it may be, but changing for the better, not giving up parts of yourself to make this other person feel whole. That's a huge difference. So I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, and I was also going to say, it's very tied to your um, initial two comments about wanting to spend time, control. So again, I'm speaking a little bit more towards women because I see more women being affected by this, but it also applies to men, especially yeah. when you live in a metropolitan city where there's a ton of options and there's like analysis paralysis when it comes to dating yeah. women and oftentimes men feel so, oh my God, that's so sweet of him that he's willing to plan everything and like take control and like plan my entire weekend and pick everything we do and what I dress and all our vacations where like, you're, he's not even asking for your opinion what you want to do, right? Yeah. Baby, that is not love. Okay. That is not sexy. That is not attraction. That's control. Right. So I think oftentimes women would be like, oh, I want a man who like can take control. Ladies, if taking control is honoring what you would enjoy on the date, what you would want with him, right? It's not his dream weekend. So another huge sign is control. Are your feelings and emotions being um, um, part of the equation, right? And does he, like, does he ask you for your emotions and feelings? And secondly, most importantly, is when you do share it, does he validate them? Or does he also look at you, gaslight you and say you're crazy? Yeah, that also goes hand in hand with like empowerment. And that's a huge thing that I'll talk about when we get into Exhale Inhale and my company. But you want a partner that's going to empower you to make decisions in your whatever it is in your life, whether it's where you go to dinner or whether or not you take a job. Like, it, you know, it ranges the whole the whole span of things. And so I think that's also a really key point. Like you want to feel empowered in your relationship that you have a say. Mm -hmm. And so that aspect of control, it starts from really small things like where we're going to go to dinner and it can escalate into controlling your money, controlling your phone, mm -hmm. controlling where you go, like you know, in severe extreme circumstances. Um, so I think it's really important to keep that in mind early on in relationships. 
And one other thing that I also thought about too, and it, it, it kind of ties into the gaslighting a little bit is just the reaction of people. So again, going back to my previous relationship, something that I also just chalked up to his Italian Bronx roots, right? Is that he was like quite emotional and like reactionary for a guy, but it, you start to become, I think, blinded by like, what is an actual reasonable measured reaction to something, right? Like if I say something or if I like, oh, like I'm leaving in the morning and so I'm going to give him a kiss before I leave because he's still sleeping. And then he's like, what the fuck, right? Like that's not normal, right? But again, like when you are in this kind of cycle of like, that's just him, that's how he is. Okay, I'm not going to do that next time. I don't want him to get upset. And it sounds so obvious. Like all of this stuff, I think for most people sounds super obvious. And even for me, like I'm speaking from experience, like that these are things that have literally happened to me. And I'm like, how the hell did I ever get into that situation? But when you're in a romantic relationship and you're experiencing this, it's, it's, it happens to so many people, even, you know, smart, intelligent women and men, like it it just happens. Yeah. Which is why you hit a good point, which is why it's so important to have unbiased, like people who can look into your life and say, this is not normal or not normal, right? Because when your family and friends, they're always going to be in a little way on your side as they should be. They're your friend or family, right? Which is yeah. so important to work with a professional coach, a therapist, like a life coach, just someone who can look at your life in a third, like kind of a, in a separate lens, right? To give you that advice straight up of, hey, is this is this okay or is it not, right? So I hear you on that. So I think we've covered a lot of kind of like the initial signs that seem so harmless, but can blow up. Let's kind of progress into when things get bad, right? And you feel like you can't get out. So I'm sure there are plenty of men and women right now who have certain emotions that they don't know why they're feeling. So let's kind of go through like, when you were at that moment in your relationship where you're like, oh my God, I know it's bad now and I can't get out. What were you feeling? What was going through your head? So people kind of ha- can identify with those feelings and thoughts. Yeah, totally. And just for context, for me, I probably knew for, I would say close to a year and a half wow. that I needed to be out of this relationship before I finally was able to like completely cut ties. Got it. Okay. So wow. that just speaks to how difficult it can be yeah. mm-hmm. um, depending on the situation. For me, this, um, my former partner also was an addict. He had, was, um, in recovery when we started dating. I didn't really know anything about it. Honestly, I was like quite naive to addiction. He fell back into active addiction. So a lot of our relationship specifically was me as a caretaker for him. So part of the reason why it was so hard for me to, let go was like the sense of responsibility for his well-being and his emotions but that actually is quite common in these toxic relationships it's not always necessarily related to addiction but i've seen through my work and just you know through hearing other survivors it's very common for the person who is engaging in this destructive behavior to um what's the word like 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 almost like pull pull the pity card Mm -hmm. right so I've seen scenarios where they threaten to kill themselves if you leave I experienced that I'm just gonna go overdose on pills if you leave there's no reason for me to leave anymore if you leave right it's this like extreme guilt tripping but it's like so serious that you're like, well, I don't know, like, could I possibly live with myself if I walked away from this, knowing how vulnerable and how, you know, unhealthy and not balanced this person is right now, like, it becomes really, really heavy. Um, So I felt a lot of guilt and fear for him and his safety, more so than my own safety, which is fucked up. 
yeah. that's just a lot of times what happens. Um, I felt like, and this is partially because of the attic stuff, but like, I'm definitely a fixer, like a type A, I can fix this. We can work through this. We can, you know, we can overcome this. And so that was another piece that was hard for me to let go. Like I, I truly loved this person so much that I felt like I had to do every possible thing I could before like letting go. Um, and we actually broke up and then for nine months, we kind of continued to see each other, but sort of we're seeing other people, you know, that really unhealthy thing, but I hadn't cut ties completely until things like really escalated and I'll get to this when we talk about friends, but it was really my friends that, that helped me in the end, like finally cut the ties. But um, another thing I think people feel is shame, yeah. immense shame. For me, my friends knew what was going on, but there was a fear of judgment for yeah. sure. And so there is this feeling of being very lonely, like, I can't go to my friends again and say what's happened, having not done anything about it for myself, but I don't feel strong enough to do anything yet. Yeah. Right. So it's that sort of loneliness. Um, and, you know, I think probably the last thing I would say is just like a feeling of hopelessness, right? Like you just, you want so bad to be able to do something, but you don't feel strong enough. You know, you can't fix it. And it's just, you don't know what to do. Like, I just remember feeling like, how, like, how did I get here? Like, how did this happen to me? I'm, you know, I'm well-educated. I'm an attorney, like on the outside, I think my life seems like pretty put together and like meanwhile like I'm like on my floor of my apartment sobbing crying with a hole punch in my wall like what like yeah, yeah. so it's a lot yeah it's no I hear it's like you especially in our culture right there's a persona that we have to the outside world that in a way of whether it be like we just want people to whether we want to fit in whether we want for ego whether it be just to make sure we um are seen in a certain way and respected, right? We have this persona to the outside world, especially with social media, especially with all the technology that we have to magnify and like compare with the nah, filtered and highlight, exactly the highlight reel, right? That yeah. it, you, you start to feel like you're living a double life. And the further away your reality is to this image that you put up, the more you feel like you can't go to other people. Cause they're like, wait, I thought your life was what we see on Instagram or what we see on Facebook, right? Um, here you on that. So I definitely want to get to your, so the solutions, right? What are some uh, tricks, solutions, or tips that we can kind of give the audience? And you first mentioned the friends. So I think let's first hit on the importance of having a good body system with your fr friends, which is why it is so important to have good friends. And I don't even know, I know everyone always hears this, but it is so quality over quantity. Like you can have 300 party friends, but who's going to be there for you if you're at the hospital because you got hit by your boyfriend? Who's going to be there when there's a, literally a knife being threatened to be thrown at you in your own apartment, right? So I just feel like it's so important to do the inner work and you're allowed to have your party friends. You're allowed to have like the fun friends, but like, do you have a circle of people of trust that you can go to? So let's talk about like how your friends got you out of it. We'll start there yeah. and then also share other solutions that people can leverage. Yeah, totally. So my friends were incredibly supportive. I think I know that there probably was an element of frustration for them because they could see what was happening. And like, as a friend, and I think this is something also that's valuable for anyone who's listening, who maybe not isn't experiencing this themselves, but know somebody who is, that like, you can only do so much, right? Like the saying, you can only lead the horse to water, but you can't force them to drink it. But even just being there and listening is so, so much because are so powerful and so important because even when I felt like 
there were definitely times where they didn't know the extent of what was going on. Like I was too embarrassed or afraid to tell them. But when it got really bad, um, I knew that I could text them and reach out to them. And so what happened for me is we, there was um, a blow up in my apartment. We had, we used to live together prior to us breaking up. And so he still had stuff at my apartment. Um, there was kind of a blow up and I basically was like, you need to get your stuff out of the apartment. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to wait. Like, please, I just need to keep it in the closet. Like, you know, I'm at a sober living house right now. Like pity me, pity me, pity me. Right. Um, and it just started to explode to the point where I attempted to call the police and he pulled the phone out of my hand ran out of my apartment, grabbed my computer, basically grabbed any form of device, anything I could use to communicate with people. It was horrible. He had me like pinned against the bed at one point, whatever. I calmed him down and I had texted my friend and I said, you know, we had another blow up, blah, 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 blah. I'm so upset, whatever. And she's like, is he still there? Is he still there? And and it, I was again, like falling back into the pattern where I would get him to calm down. And like, I would think that I could handle the situation when in reality, like I couldn't, it had already escalated past the point where I could actually handle it, but I thought I could. Um, and then she had texted me and said, you know, what's going on if I don't hear from you in 20 minutes, like I'm calling the police. Yeah. And I actively did not respond to her. It was just, I don't know. Like, I still felt so guilty in that moment. Like, it's so fucked up. Like, I just remember him being there and being calm and me being like, oh my God, like, what am I about to do? But I just let her do it. Um, and the police came and um, they actually did not arrest him on that night because again I didn't tell the whole truth about what happened with the police like that just goes to show like how far the manipulation had gone at that point um but they they did call me a few days later and for some reason I just felt like telling them the police like the domestic violence unit called to check up on me and I just sort of felt like telling them more. And once I told them about how he obstructed me from calling law enforcement and broke down the door, they were like, we have to arrest him. And then that was a whole nother thing of me even still being like, well, he's at work. Can you not arrest him at work? You know, like you're just so in it that like you're still like in my mind, like trying to protect him, even though he's caused me so much harm. Um but then, yeah, no contact order was put in place. He was arrested. Um, and that was how I like finally was able to heal, but, or move on and start my healing process. But, but honestly, like it was my friend calling the police that finally helped me kind of push me over the edge. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, right? Like you ask yourself, how do you get there? I mean, it's just, we're humans. It's investment it's emotion, right? Yeah. Yeah. Some, especially as, as someone like you, who is such like, I want to heal. I want to fix. I want to whatever you've kind of taken him on as to be like your project. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. he fails, you feel like you failed, but it's not to your point. Like you cannot change someone who does not want to be changed. Hard stuff. 100%. Right. Especially yeah. if you're not a professional, right. Especially when it's like you are, you're someone who has an emotional relationship with him, right? Not yeah. just like logical step-by-step -step plan to how to convert human behavior, right? So totally. um, it is not shocking at all to hear that, right? It's just time and investment. That's all it is, right? The more, and that's also like the manipulation, right? I mean, this is a lot of narcissist behavior. And as someone who like, I think knock on wood, I've been very fortunate in my life where I've never dealt with narcissists that when I kind of like more recently dealt with someone with a narcissist like behavior, it was just my gut that was like, 
something's not right. Let me just like survey people like coaches that like other peer life coaches that I know, um, people who are um, older with experiences in relationships, um, therapists and whatnot. Right. And they're just, when I kind of gave examples, they're like, just get out. Like, it's not going to get any better. Right. So it's like, even I, I want to share these kind of uh, stories and I'm glad you painted such like vivid uh, stories for everyone, because it is things that you really don't think it's going to happen to you that gets you, right? Because like little tiny pulls that pull you in. So um, super helpful, obviously the friendship, right? Keep your friends informed, which is what you've always done. Like, even though you didn't tell them the full extent, like it's so important to have a circle of trust where you're keeping people in the loop of what's happening in your relationship. Because if you're seriously the only one, no one can help you if they don't know that you need help, right? So what yeah. are, that's super helpful. And we kind of talked about it. And I know both of you, both you and I don't really fully know the code, but there are certain things that you can text on Instagram and send girls messages. That's it, literally code for help, like get me out of here or call the police. Do you want to share what you remember? And like, so that everyone yeah. can hear, like, keep this, Google it. I'm sure there's like a paragraph we can Google afterwards to find it. Yeah, totally. Um, so I know that there was a woman and I've heard of this multiple times where women will offer either like um, makeup or some sort of, you know, like totally benign product. Like if you want to buy it or you want to try it, like send me your address and I'll send you some. And that is code for, you know, here, like you're giving your address so that somebody actually knows where you are and they can send help. And I think that's really important because a lot of times when you're in a really serious situation, this other person is controlling all of your means of communication, right? Yeah. It's like when my partner ran out the door with my computer and my phone and my Kindle, like any form that I had of communicating was all of a sudden cut off. It's like really scary. So it's these kind of benign things that wouldn't necessarily raise a flag to this other person. Um, that you're asking for help. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, some other things is, uh, for example, if you have a doorman in in your building, right, or like a, like a not, not even a, like a manager or whatnot, just like it depends on how comfortable you are. But if you have a relationship with your doorman, like there's so many ways to drop codes to them, or just get them like, hey, I just need someone to come up. Like something's broken. Do you mind coming up? find anyone you're building neighbors anybody right it just it just takes one human to help get you out of it so like obviously when you're put in a position you kind of and you're in a mode of like you just want to shrivel up and close you got to force yourself to think out like what are the closest bodies near me that i could just grab to get help right um i think that's one thing um and other any other resources or tips and tricks that come to mind there are definitely some hotlines um and yeah, I think we should we should share that info with with listeners and viewers. Um, there's the New York City Mayor's Alliance Against Domestic Violence and Abuse. Um, so that's a resource. There's also a national organization regarding domestic violence. Um, and then, you know, I think that there are a variety of different organizations that try to serve, yeah. you know people that have experienced this, whether it be like at the time of the abuse, like helping you get out, but also like the, the long-term healing that comes after it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And also on the flip side is for all of, you know, everyone has friends, like close circle of friends, check up on them. men and men and women, right? I want to be clear. This is not just women are not the only ones who get abuse emotionally physically all that like it's yeah. too sad if anything it's harder for men to come out and say it because like a lot of them will think like how embarrassing of me to say that my partner abused me right or like was physical with me so just check like watch like things from anywhere from someone's mood right the way they speak the tone the energy when they see you their texting patterns change look at their hands and bodies or the random scratches like just be more alert because especially as we head towards the fall and the winter, like we're all being cooped up as at home. And like, unfortunately the Delta variant getting its own little, having its own little soiree, um, we're going to be yeah. really having 
to be in confined areas so just check up on your friends and it's not we like you'd rather reach out to someone randomly like, hey haven't spoken to your why how are things and hit the, them thinking that's kind of where they reached out versus they really needed you that moment and you were actually able to save them you'd rather the, the latter right then oh that was a random text whatever we're all random but yeah yeah, yeah for and them. and a, another good point that you made was you know, it's not just women who experience this, it's also men, but, and it's also not just physical abuse, right? Like so much of interpersonal violence and in much of what I experienced, like only towards the end, did it really escalate to physical abuse is emotional abuse, yeah. right? And that is, I mean, you can't see it. You can't see it the way you can see a bruise on somebody's body, um, but it's still, can take the same toll on somebody. 100%. And I feel like we oftentimes hear violence, whether it be uh, emotional or uh, physical through women, because we feel more comfortable sharing our stories, right? 100% with you. It's just as simple as when you catch up, catch up with your guy friends, how are things with XYZ? Their response, it's not what they say, it's the body language that will tell you if things are okay right? Like if they're yeah. normally talking and they all of a sudden get fidgety or they're usually very fidgety, also get still the change in body language or tone will tell you more about what they actually mean than what is being said, right? It's never the message. It's the delivery of the message. So all, all your guy friends, I mean, how many times have we all know guy friends where like you literally had a girlfriend that was and I hate when men call women crazy but there are some of them are legitimate psychos right so watch out for your guy friends because as much as they, we are susceptible to this they are too 100 yeah. percent um so I definitely want to make sure we spend some time on obviously speaking about your um your business a lot of the nonprofits that you actually support right and a lot of causes so i think for first thing is love love the mind body soul connection so let's talk about exhale to inhale first yeah so exhale to inhale is um, a nonprofit that brings trauma-informed yoga to survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault and it's all premised about or it's premised on re-centering in your body and re-empowering survivors, right? Because so much of what we experience in an interpersonally violent relationship, whether it be physical abuse or mental abuse, is it manifests in our bodies, right? It's that tension, it's, it's that feeling of a lack of control, helplessness, hopelessness, all of that. Um, and so at Exhale to Inhale, we have a what we call a trauma-informed methodology. So that is focused on providing survivors the option to make decisions during their practice. So they feel like they are taking ownership over their body and they're starting to feel um, empowered, right? So rather than it just um, being like, okay, you know, raise your arms and now you're gonna lean to the right, the um, prompts will be if it feels good to you right now you can raise your arm or if you'd like you can keep it at your side you know it's all about listening to your body doing what feels good making decisions for yourself um, and i actually found exhale to inhale through a coworker who also had experienced domestic violence and severe stalking um, with a former partner and so I actually really leaned on her when I was dealing with my situation and she's a yoga teacher. I'm actually not a yoga teacher, um, but I do love yoga and, and the, uh, the mindfulness that it brings and the recentering. And so she introduced me to exhale to inhale. And it's been through that organization that I really have developed the courage to start, to start sharing my story um, you know, again, like I said, like the, the, the feeling of shame and embarrassment is intense. Um, but there's also something that's been so profound for my healing and just being able to release that in sharing my experience. And what really has helped me is just knowing that if there's 
anybody out there listening who can relate, they might not be at the point where they're ready to get out of this relationship, but like, they just know that they're not alone. And there are other people that have experienced this, like that to me is so powerful. So I really credit Exhale to Inhale for just connecting me with other survivors and giving me the courage to, to start sharing my story. Um, so yeah, Exhale to Inhale partners with 40 different um, partners in the greater New York City area. So they're like shelters or community centers. Pre-COVID, we would go in and provide trauma-informed yoga classes to women who were living at these shelters or who were seeking services at the community centers. Um, and then once COVID started, we moved to a fully virtual platform. Um, so the women at the shelters are still getting our services, but via video. But the other kind of amazing thing about switching to virtual is that now our classes are available to everyone and not just people that are living in shelters. Um, we have like public classes weekly that are free and available to anyone. Um, so it's been, it's been cool to see sort of that transition. We're hoping to get back into shelters, um, but obviously the Delta variant has kind of put a, a pause on that. Um, but yeah, I'm the chair of the Young Professionals Board for Exhale to Inhale. So we focus on spreading awareness and raising funds. Um, and I'll just do a quick plug that um, Exhale to Inhale does have our annual gala coming up on October 20th. It is a virtual gala, um, but there'll be some super interesting stories from the Exhale to Inhale team. We have a video kind of showing the impact of our work, a silent auction um, with all sorts of fun items, some entertainment. Um, so yeah, I would love to see anyone there that's interested in learning more about ETI. I love that. Thank you for all those details. And to your yeah. point, right, I think the shame, the guilt of not wanting to share your story, right, is kind of what oh, a narcissist or someone who's the, I, I consider them the corporate abuser would want, like keep you alone. But how empowering is it to flip the, the script now and say, this is my story, I own it, and I get to write the next chapter, right? Yeah. And I think people sometimes forget like the most courageous, I know people definitely know um, Brie Brown by now, but the most courageous thing is vulnerability. And I think yeah. sometimes people think it's the armor of looking perfect and someone who grew up thinking I had to be perfect to be loved and perfect to cheat and perfect to, for, to get anything done in life, right? When you yeah. realize people all they ever wanted was to connect and be vulnerable, that's a more powerful thing. Like look at even the abusers, right? How, how do they get the power? They just got your connection and they yeah. got your vulnerability and they got the empathy that they wanted. That's all it is, right? So yeah. I think it's amazing that you're able, you and a lot of your uh, partners are able to flip the script now and it's your story to tell, right? Yeah, yeah. You get to write the next chapter. So I think that's awesome. Um, yeah. I definitely want to talk about your company. Obviously, let's dive, let's talk a little bit more about like why you created the motivation behind it, right? And then like, to feel free to just highlight some of the things that you work on um, in terms of like services within the company. But yeah, I think like the motivation of what caused you to create the company is super, super interesting. Yeah, totally. So um, my company is called Tidy Tribe, and um, I am a professional organizer and provide organizing services to people in their homes, their workspaces, their lives. Um, but for me, Tidy Tribe is, it's just so much more than an organizing business or organizing service. Um, one of the things that I really focus on is this concept of serenity, right? So the serenity to accept the things that you cannot change, the courage to change the things that you can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That's kind of like my core value of Tidy Tribe. Um, and I, I get that from, actually, that's the serenity prayer that's used at AA meetings, NA, Narcotics Anonymous, those meetings. And so 
when I was dealing with my, my uh, previous partner who was an addict, I actually was going to these meetings called Naranon meetings, and that's for loved ones of addicts. And that's where I learned this, they call it the serenity prayer. And I just like clung on to that concept when I was dealing with, you know, everything with him. Um, and one thing that I didn't really realize was that um, I had become like very, very focused on like having a tidy apartment or yeah, home really. Um, and I think it's because that was something that I could control during a time in my life where I felt like everything was so out of control. I was in this total whirlwind shitstorm, didn't know how to get out of it but at least like I could control how my clothes were folded or I could control where this was set up. Right. And like having that be tidy gave me this sense of calm in a place that was quite literally so chaotic, right. Like in my own home. Um, and so during the pandemic, I actually was when I decided to start tidy tribe, I had, before I went to law school, like many years ago, I had nannied for this woman who was a professional organizer. And I didn't even know that was like a thing back then. Um, but so she was the one who kind of introduced me to it. And during the pandemic, like I had more time on my hands and I was like, what would I do if I were to start a business? And I was like, you know what? I think I would do professional organizing. Like I, I love that. It helped me deal with what I was going through and a really hard time in my life. And so I just, I started to kind of create it, create, you know, the name and the brand and thinking about the concept of serenity and how I could tie that all together. And so one of the things that I, I focus on is that there is so much in our life that's out of our control, right? Like whether or not the subway runs on time, whether or not this person is going to hold the door for us or it's going to slam on our face and we drop the things we're carrying, right? Like how somebody's going to respond to an email. Like there's so much that is out of our control. But the way that we organize and keep our space, whether it be at home or at work, which is where most of us are spending a lot of our time, it is within our control. And it actually has such a profound impact on our mental health and how we deal with like what is thrown at us every day. Um, so that's kind of how Tidy Tribe was born. And then as I started to work on it more and just really with certain clients delving into why they had trouble with their organization, like whatever it was, you know, I have a, a certain client who has this extreme attachment to all of her clothing and it stems from growing up having very little, right? So a lot of times, like what people are focusing in the reason, um, the reason why they feel overwhelmed in their space is related to something like much deeper, right? It's not just like I'm lazy or I'm sloppy or I'm too busy, right? A lot of times it's really focused on deeper things. And so that kind of prompted me to really think a little bit more deeply about the impact of organizing and getting tidy and creating a space that is serene and calm. And I was like, well, it quite literally starts very basically, like you should be safe in your home. Like at the very, least you should feel safe. And so that's when for me, like it really started to click sort of the synergy between Tidy Tribe and the mission behind it and my experience as a survivor of domestic violence. And so that's when I was like, well, duh, I have to combine this somehow with exhale to inhale. So um, a portion of all of my fees, I donate back to exhale to inhale and I try to support them in other ways, you know, for our gala, I'm offering a free four-hour uh, organizing session and, and stuff like that. And really also to use my Tidy Tribe platform as a way to spread awareness. Because again, going back to what we were discussing earlier, I think so many people in my life had no idea what I was dealing with. And I didn't want them to, obviously. Right, right, right. But it just goes to show how prevalent this is. 
um, and how much people don't necessarily know about it. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of how all the magic I love it intertwined. From just hearing your story, how you created it and all your clients, and even in, in the beginning with your um, ex-partner, right? I think the importance that people, biggest takeaway, what I'm hearing from you is grace, right? Like we are the way we are because of past experiences. And I'm not saying it's not an excuse. So what your ex-partner did is not an excuse, right? But just giving people grace to say, you know, this is, they are the way they are for whatever past history and that they've been through. But ultimately, you are not the professional to fix those problems. And you should not be the future of the, the person being abused to continue the pattern, right? So it's like giving people grace, even those who don't do you right, right? Just it, like not forgiveness. If you kind of hold on to like um, not forgiving other people, the only person in pain is yourself, right? So to your point, you've taken this dark time convert to something positive. And I think as we move in life, just to give everyone around you grace and understanding of they're not lazy, right? They just have attachment because of what they came from. They're not messy. They just, you know, are so focused on their career that they just think every moment they should be focused on that. So, you know, instead of just judging people, try to understand why and know that when it's not your place to fix them, step out and let a professional take over, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I always wrap up with one last thing. I think everyone has a gift in, in life. So I would love to hear what you think your gift is that you, you know, you spread, you want to continue spreading with everybody else. Yeah, totally. So I think I would have to say it kind of actually, um, piggybacks on what you were just saying, like giving grace. Mm -hmm. So I even still to this day, wish the best for my ex-partner. I want him to remain sober. I want him to have a successful life and be happy. Um, but something that I learned from that experience specifically, and I think I'm carrying it into Tidy Tribe and I carry it even into my, my um, job as a lawyer is just really having compassion for others because you just never know what people are going through. And I think experiencing something that... Um, it's almost like when people say like a hidden disease, for example, right? Like something that doesn't have the outward symptoms, like experiencing something that's so inward that other people are not going to be able to know, obviously, by looking at you really taught me to um, just have compassion for others because you never know like what is going on behind the scenes, right? So like if somebody's a dick on the subway, like, you know what? People are allowed to have their days. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with them, but you know, I think the way you put it also is really lovely, like giving people grace. Awesome. Um, I think that, you know, that's something to me that I just think it's really important in terms of having my own peace, mm -hmm. right? Letting, letting people act as they are, but like also, letting them have their own yeah their own peace and their own feelings and their own manifestation on what's going on right and then back to your whole point of what is in our control and not our control focus on what you have control over and i always like i always tell my clients to like focus on your bubble and your universe and how you want to see the world everyone's entitled to see it their way right you don't mm -hmm. have to be a participant in their world and the way they see it right you, yeah. you and I can be walking the same street and have completely different descriptions of what the day looks like, right? So as humans, we're so lucky that we have imagination and we're able to literally convert imagination into reality, the physical form. So yeah. why, why waste it, right? Why not paint it the most beautiful picture that you can create and then make it a reality like you did with uh, Tide to Tribe. So I love yeah. that. Thank you yeah. so much, girl. Honestly, I think well, that's thank you. Benefited so much from this. So I really I hope so. you comfortable. Thank you for having me. Of course. See you okay. soon, Meg. Bye. Bye, dear.